Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Coaching Radio, your humble host, Tim and Julie Harris, broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, welcome to today's radio show. Thank you. I'm excited. It's going to be a very powerful and I think an important show, so I'm extra excited and uh, just to be here and share that with everyone, so thank you. And this show, today's show, tomorrow's show, and the following day's show were all um, brought, uh, the idea came from one of you. You guys emailed us. And actually, we had this request in varying different forms, and in essence, it was, I went on a listing appointment, I didn't take the listing, and I want to know why I didn't take the listing. So, the topic of today's radio show, Julie, is? All right, so the topic of today's radio show is, you didn't take the listing, why the seller hired the other agent. Not there that you that go. ever That's happens a- or freaks anybody out. <laughs> I think it's pretty critical that we find out the answer to that question. Go ahead. That's right. So what we're going to do is we're going to really drill down. And like every radio show, like everything that we do for you guys, we're – Sorry. Are you juggling, Julie? <laughs> no, something just fell off my desk. Sorry about that. Okay, Unexpected. no problem. We're, we're going to give okay. you practi- – we're going to give you practical information that you can put into immediate use. Generally speaking, we're not giving you too many highfalutin ideas. These are ideas that are, again, practical, designed to put you into action, designed to put you in a place where you can – Help others and make money, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep the points that we're going to share with you guys very real, and your job as a listener, and Julie and I, remember, we're real estate coaches, so we're always thinking in terms of uh, basically providing coaching information. Your job is to be introspective about everything that we say. Introspection, by definition, means that you challenge your own uh, paradigms. You challenge your own beliefs. If we say something... Here's a little uh, interesting. This is you know this is very interesting. If you guys internalize what I'm about to share with you, um, you'll probably agree that when you hear something that's offensive to you or that you don't agree with, nine times out of ten, that's the very thing that you need to be considering. I'm not saying necessarily change your mindset, but when you find something that is so offensive to you or so challenging to your beliefs. And I'm talking business here. We're not talking about religious or anything else or political. We're just talking business, right? We're business coaches. We are focused on helping you guys make money. That's our always our primary objective. All of our coaches, you know, we have to remind them constantly, but that is their role is to help you guys make money. So when we share with you an idea uh, business-wise and you find it uh, in a disagreement with your beliefs, that is a learning opportunity. You should then say, okay, why is it that I believe the way I believe, and what effect is that having on my business? And what, how would my life and business be better if I were to change my beliefs or if I were to maybe modify the way I'm thinking? Now, am I saying that the way we coach agents and we uh, think is superior to the way you think? Of course not. Some of you, most of you, are brilliant. Um, I would go as far as to say that a vast majority of our listeners are some of the best agents in the country Certainly some of our coaching clients are some of the best agents I've ever run across. You guys are entrepreneurs. You're business-minded. You're focused on what matters most every single day. 
And it's absolutely our passion and our honor to be your coaches. Some of you are new listeners. We're picking up literally thousands of new listeners every day. Some of you are new listeners, and you're saying, who the heck are this Tim and Julie? And, you know, they sound very boastful. We're not. We're very humble. We're very, you know, frankly, Julie and I do our best to make sure we're purging all sense of ego from every radio show we do because um, we want you to grow. We want you to expand. We do know what works. We do know what works in all price ranges. We do know what works in all markets. Why? How do I how can I say that with 100% confidence? It's very simple because we our organization coaches some of the most successful agents from coast to coast in every single market. The you know, the best agents in LA, the best agents in New York, the best agents in Miami, you know, the best agents through the Midwest, the best agents in Texas. All of them are either enrolled coaching clients or somehow we've crossed paths with them. And so please understand that when we're sharing information with you, when you do find yourself in disagreement, don't just shut off what the lesson is. Maybe just write it down and be introspective later and ask yourself, why is it that I didn't agree with this particular point? What would happen if I were to modify my approach, and how would my business be better? How would I be able to help folks at a higher level if I were to perhaps change my approach um, and, and maybe uh, allow myself to be, oh, just a tiny bit coachable? So, Julie, let's not delay. Let's just get right into our, right into our uh, content because I'm really excited about this. Yeah, this is critical stuff. So you didn't get the listing. Why not? Well, here's a fact. Listings do require the highest skill level of all activities in real estate. So, of course, from time to time, you're not going to get the listing. We're going to help you figure out why that is. Here's a myth that some of you guys believe. It's okay and expected to only list 50% of what you go on in terms of listing appointments versus listings taken. However, consider this. You wouldn't accept a 50% grade from your kids. Why do you think it's okay for you, from yourself? Let's take a look at the top 10 reasons, and I think we even have more than 10 reasons now, that agents don't walk away with signed paperwork on a listing agreement. So, fact, listing agents make more money, have more solid businesses, and more free time than buyer's agents do. The more listings you have, the more security you'll have mentally, emotionally, and financially. So that's why Julie, this is pause. so important. Yeah. Julie, let's, let's circle that point because we, you and I often make the mistake of forgetting the fact that we have a lot of listeners that are um, – a lot of them actually are not in the real estate industry, considering getting in the real estate industry, mm-hmm. or newer sure. agents who have only grown up in the industry working and focusing on buyers. So you just said something, and it's profound because, guys, it's always been true and always will be true that the richest of the rich agents are listing agents. Okay, so just for it, and again, I know some of you right now, I'm already basically in that zone where some of you are in conflict with us because you basically are only buyer's agents, only consider yourselves buyer's agents. Well, so if you're a listing agent, here's the potential paradigm shift way of thinking for you. If you had five listings at all times, and again, some of you, I know a lot of our coaching clients, you guys have dozens if not hundreds of listings, but for the most of you who are newer in the business or you know, primarily buyer's agents, in your marketplace right now, if you had five active listings, I would just want you to, for a second, meditate on that. Five active listings. You have a dry erase board. Um, it's right by your desk. You're looking at the addresses right now. You're looking at the sale prices or you know, the asking prices right now. Five active listings. How do you feel about your business? Would you rather have five active listings or would you rather have five active buyers? Because here's the nice thing about the listings. You, you actually spend massively less time when you're a, a, a listing agent because of the fact that you price, you obviously you win the listing, 
and we're going to get into the details of why you didn't take the listing as, you know, as far as your presentation and all the rest of it goes into that. You win the listing. You prepare the listing. You, you price the listing correctly. Uh, you introduce the listing to the market in such a way that, you know, basically it looks fantastic. All the other agents are very excited about it, all that good stuff. Um, and then you put it in the MLS. So you price it right. You put it in the MLS. You present it well. And then generally speaking, the market's going to sell the listing for you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to chase the buyers. You don't have to work every weekend and every evening. You could, and a lot of our top producing agents do just this, they only work with buyers. They only work with like maybe two or three buyers. That's it. The other buyers, they refer off to independent agents, or some of them have buyer agents, depending on your sale price. Buyer agents can sometimes make sense. Now, what does that mean? As a listing agent, if you had five listings at all times, in your MLS, there's literally hundreds, if not thousands, of other realtors that are out there working for you. You're at the beach. Other agents are selling your listings. You're at a movie. Other agents are showing your listings. You know, you decide to take the day off and go, you know, whatever. Other agents are selling your listings versus if you're primarily focused on buyers, you're the one that has to go out there and do the actual work. When you have listings, you have leverage. You don't have leverage without listings. Leverage of your time. Leverage of the way that, frankly, this incredible system that we have where, you, you know, where we have the MLSs and we have commissions and we have co-op commissions, we have all this. Listing agents ultimately are the true beneficiaries of the great real estate system that we have in place for us. A lot of people come, you know, well, we need to change this, we need to change that. But as of today, when you take a listing, you price it right, you condition it right, you position it right, you put it in the MLS, in most markets, it's going to sell itself in less than 60 days, 90 days maybe, going, you know, depending on what time of year it is. Um, and the other agents do the work for you. Then you have administrative staff that manage, you negotiate the contract, you negotiate any unsatisfactory conditions, and then you have staff in place that manage the closing process. That is how you make a lot of money in this business. You go from five listings, you then you increase to 10 listings at all times, then to 20 listings at all times. A lot of you will have brilliant lives, incredible businesses, when you have between 15 and 20 listings at all times. At that point, Everything changes in your life. You have control of your time. You have control of your finances. You have control of every aspect of the business. Everything that you originally were motivated by when you thought of getting a real estate license will come your way when you focus all your best energies every single day on becoming listing agents. That's what we specialize in. If you wanted to know what Tim and Julie do, what our coaching organization does, is it trains agents to be listing agents. That is our primary focus, our primary passion, because that is ultimately how you make a lot of money in this business. And, Julie, you just chatted me something. What, tell the audience what you actually just said. It's a great point. Well, it's the difference between running a business and having a hobby. You know, it is true that being a listing agent, that's a lot more mental work. Being a buyer's agent is more physical labor, so naturally being a listing agent requires more skill. So I wrote down, becoming a successful listing agent is the most challenging, most skill-based, highest paid part of your job. So not becoming great at this is actually a liability to your career, assuming that you want to have a career and not just dabble. So make the commitment to learn the most important part of your job as a real estate professional. So let's get to our points. If you didn't take the listing, what causes that? Why not? So I'm going to pause this for a second. It's really critical that when you don't take the listing, because that's going to happen, ask 
ask the seller, I'm curious, why did you decide to choose the other agent just so that I can maybe change some of the things or upgrade what I'm doing? Could you share that with me? Some of you guys are afraid to make that call. It's one of the most important calls you can ever make because it's working on the most important skill that you are required to have to take your business to the next level. So what are the mistakes? Number one, you assumed it was yours and were lazy in your presentation. Gosh, we hear this a lot. You took the business for granted, and this manifests itself in several major mistakes like showing up late, not doing a real presentation, lack of pre-qualifying questions, not being careful with price, maybe even rescheduling one or two times, not looking and sounding your best, basically being assumptive. So you know the old saying, when you assume you make an ass out of you and me? <laughs> well, that's kind of what we're talking about. Don't just assume that it's yours because it makes you lazy. You skip things, you make mistakes, and you know, go from there. You could tell us take your dog to work day to day at our office. Yeah, and there's somebody <laughs> at the door, as you can see. So anyway, yeah, so I'll, go, I'll go to point number two. You I'll take the to, next okay. one. Okay. All right, so th again, the thing, and you know, I was thinking as Julie was reading that point, I was actually kind of laughing to myself because I remember very clearly there was, uh, Julie and I uh, sold real estate in an area called New Albany, Ohio. It was probably one of the most expensive areas in central Ohio. And in this particular part of uh, this area called New Albany Country Club, we'd sold a lot of houses. It's the same area where we lived. And we had a lot of relocation in and out. We had this really, we had uh, in the winter, so I had a, I think it was six or seven sellers that were all planning on listing their houses with us in the spring. And um, these were, you know, in Columbus, Ohio, your average sale price, like most of the country, was right around 200000 But these listings probably were all around 800000 900000 a million. So great listings in a lot of them. So, again, we'd sold all these houses. Some of them, we'd, you know, they'd been our buyers and our sellers. We felt we had a really good relationship with them. We felt like, well, sure, come spring, these are all listings. We don't have to really overly service them. Okay, this is a true story that I'm telling you guys. And I tell you this because it was painful and it's important that you learn from our dumb mistake. Um, it was unlike us not to uh, be all over those listings. And in retrospect, we should have taken those listings the second they told us they were thinking about selling and then post-dated the contracts. But we didn't. We just were lazy. We were complacent. We were arrogant. Okay, Our egos got in our way. Um, so spring rolls around, and none of the listings we get. What had happened is there was another gal who had a real estate license who we knew, um, but she wasn't very active. She hardly sold any properties. But what she did was she had a nice Christmas party. At the nice Christmas party, all the neighbors came, and all the neighbors uh, who are sellers, basically she started working. And by the time spring rolled around, they listed the lit houses with her. I did as Julie's suggesting, and I called two of the sellers, and I asked why. Why didn't you list them with me? What's the story? Of course, I didn't say it like that, but that was the essence mm -hmm. of what I was asking. Yeah. And I said, well, we love you and Julie, da 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 But she, it, she asked for the business. You know, I told you I was wanting to sell my house in October, November, or whatever, and, you know, you never, you didn't really follow up. You didn't come over here and get the house listed. And we heard that, every single one of them, we heard that. And we just figured that you were too busy. We just figured that you were too busy doing other stuff, or you didn't want the business, or whatever, whatever. So there's, and it wasn't their fault for not calling me and taking nope. the listing, which is a lot of times with uh, – oh, that seller didn't call me. I showed up. I was entitled to that listing. You know, it was my job to have followed up with them and have done my job, but I didn't because I took it for granted. I was guilty of Julie's first point. Julie, what's the second point? 
Point number two, you didn't know you were competing for the listing. Now this is a result of not using a pre-qualification script. If you don't know whether you're competing or not, you are at a disadvantage. You should almost always go last in the lineup because that's the closing position. So imagine the agent that shows up first because they thought they had it in the bag. They didn't know they were competing. I can pretty much guarantee you they're not going to take the listing surely because they're not even in the closing position in the first place, right? And of course that agent ends up walking out the door saying, well, I'll follow up, I'll call you back, whatever. Okay, so major mistake not knowing that you're competing for the listing. Now, here's something, Tim, I don't know if you, you know, remember this from coaching calls, but sometimes agents will say, I don't want to ask that question because I don't want to suggest that they talk to other agents. So I always right. tease coaching clients about that, like as if they don't have a TV and don't see Remax and Prudential ads all day long and Realtor.com. Of course they know there's other agents, right? Just because you said so doesn't have them go, oh, you mean there's other realtors in the world? It's kind of an, like an ego excuse-based objection to, to asking that question. So, you know, what, how do you present when you know you're competing versus being assumptive? You're always going to present at a higher level. So really you should always assume that you are competing and your job is to find out against whom. And we're going to talk well, more about we, that. Go ahead. Right, but we made it easy, right? Just use coaching clients. <laughs> use the script. Coach, just use the script. Just ask the questions on the pre-qualification script in the order in which they've been written, and you will know everything you need to know. You will not be planting the seed of the seller's mind that they should be interviewing other agents. In some cases, if there's centers of influence in past clients, again, going back to point number one, oh, by the way, you need to be treating every single seller, whether they're your mom, your brother, the person you sit next to in church every Sunday, you need to be treating all of them the exact same. They all deserve the same high-level presentation, high-level pre-listing pack. You need to show up looking like a professional. You need to be respectful. And as soon as you basically drop your guard, that's when you're sending a message to that seller that you're not serious. So that's very important to understand that. So, you know, not compete or knowing when you have to assume you're competing. In some cases, you will use our script, and this is a special message for our coaching clients, you'll be using the script and the seller will be elusive about whether they're interviewing. What I want you to do, if they're not willing to come out and tell you, is I want you to assume you're interviewing. How do you know who you're going to be competing against? It's easy. Go to the MLS, find out what, uh, who the most prominent agents are in terms of listing agents in that marketplace. In most markets, it's pretty clear. Maybe it's you, which is fantastic. But in other cases, I want you to really MLS. I want you to find out who you're competing against. I want you to find out if there's some agent who's basically positioned themselves as the local expert, that sort of thing. And then I want you to go to the MLS again, and I want you to pull up all their stats. I want you to find out what their days on the market is. I mean, you and I were talking about this call at McDonald, the number one REMAX agent in Atlanta, mm -hmm. who's one of our coaching clients. When she goes to listing presentations, Julie, how does she prepare? <laughs> yeah, she absolutely uses the pre-qualification script on everybody, no exceptions, no weird circumstances. She just does the script. She finds out who it is. She pulls up all of their stats on the MLS. She finds out how long they've been licensed for. She finds out whether they're more of a listing agent or a buyer's agent. She finds out what their expired rate is. She finds out what their list-to-sell price ratio is. And, I mean, that gives her a tremendous advantage. Now, she does not do that in a rude or obnoxious way. She says, well, that's interesting that you're talking to Betty Sue. I, I don't know whether you know that primarily, though she has a lot of sales in the area, about 80% of them are helping buyers. 
And I don't know if you've ever thought about the difference between working with someone who's an expert at listing property and bringing sellers the highest and best price versus someone who specializes in negotiating against sellers. Now, she didn't say Betty Sue is a, a crazy, unprofessional agent. She just basically shared the facts. If you didn't well, know that going in, you're at a disadvantage. Go ahead. And one of the things that Julie and I used to do is in Columbus, when we sold real estate, we were one of the top, you know, typically one of the top five or ten agents of, uh, I think it was 3,000 agents. And what we would do when we were competing, which we were always competing, you know, really always, is we would bring the MLS stats with us. And this is (laughs) – some of you are going to be offended by what I'm about to say, but have an open mind. We'd bring the MLS printout of really the top 1,000 agents, and it was big, right? And what we – this MLS – you guys can get this information too. It would have the agent's name, the name of their broker. Then it would have all the statistical information that uh, Julie just told you about, their average days in the market, the number, total number of transactions they did last year. But the other thing that we did is we listed it in such a way that it showed the top agents uh, in terms of homes sold, the top agents in terms of listings sold. So we'd give this list to the uh, sellers. Now, we didn't always do this, but we had it with us, right? Um, so if they were comparing us against so-and-so, and so-and-so was supposedly a big agent, what we would, or at least that so-and-so had told the seller they were a big agent, we would pull out that list of the top 1,000 agents, and we would have our names highlighted, and then we would give the list to the seller, um, and then we would say, Mr. Seller, here's the list of the top 1,000 agents, and you can see we've you know, listed it based on how many houses they sold, and you can kind of see the actual facts based on the MLS. Not guesses, not just bold claims, but actual facts. Where do the agents or where does the agent that you're considering interviewing, where do they stack up? Where are they on that list? And you give the big old book to the seller. And, this, and the member, seller, Mr. Seller, this is only the top third of the agents in, the, in, the, in our uh, MLS. This isn't even all of them. And so we give the big you know, list of 1,000, and they'd <laughs> sit there, and they wouldn't say anything, and they'd sift, okay, not on the first page, not on the second page, not on the third page, not on the fourth page, not on the fourth and, and, like, by the time they got to whoever this other agent was, and this happened almost all the time, and especially if you're competing against the local area expert agent, then they'd find that other agent and they'd say, aha, there they are on page 126. And be like, okay, well, so there you go. There's where your agent stacks up. In the Now, some of you are saying, well, Tim, I'm not one of the top agents in my MLS. I can't really say that. Well, then use your brokerage. Use statistics. They're going to make you look great. If you're the top agent in your particular neighborhood, you can do the same thing. Guys, be creative. Drill down. Actually give the information to the sellers so they can make factual decisions. You guys know as well as I do that that's what people want. They want to know the truth. They want to see the number of homes sold, the days on the market, the average list-to-sell price ratio. They want to know all that stuff so when they're making a decision who they're going to hire, they're going to base it on facts, not just on bold claims and fancy marketing and pretty pictures. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So related to this, of course, is another big mistake. Number three, your mistake was not knowing what price the seller had in mind before you showed up. This doesn't mean that they're right about their price, which is almost always going to be more than yours, as you all know, but you should at least know what's going on in their pricing brain before you present your CMA. Sometimes sellers know about private sales that may be affecting pricing. Remember, NAR had a report a little while ago saying like 30% of uh, recent sales were pocket listings. Well, you're not going to pull that out in the MLS, right? So the seller might know that their neighbor's house sold for more than the comps that you've got, okay? And it may affect you. So 
Other things that could be, the seller might be set to be a short sale, a relocation, who knows, but if you don't ask, you're at a huge disadvantage. So what's the mistake here? Not knowing the price the seller has in mind before you show up. Again, that doesn't mean they're right about their price, but you need to know what's in their head. How do you get to that? Well, you use the pre-qualification script, and there's a very well, specific Julie, way to get to that. Go ahead. So let's give them a little bit of the script. All right, so sure. guys, you know, some of you, a lot of you, have competed for listings before. And again, here's the fact. When you're com competing for a listing, uh, does not mean you took a listing from your friend. For the most part, you weren't really competing, right? That's just a fact. Competing for a listing, which is exciting, it's just incredible, which is the best part of this business, if you ask me. Competing for a listing is when you go to a seller's house who you have really no contact with, no familial relationship, no, you know, they're just literally you're competing the level, the playing field is level with two or three other and sometimes more agents. That environment is exciting. And when you get the confidence to be able to do that at the highest level, and we're giving you lots of tips and tricks so you can always win, or at least win most of the time, uh, that's when you take your whole mindset about this industry and, frankly, about your life to the next level. Now, here's a little suggestion. You are going to come across sellers who are cagey or, frankly, mm -hmm. greedy, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And they don't want you to know what they think or they don't want you to know uh, what they think the house is worth because they either are not wanting to share the information with you because they don't want you just to tell them what they think, or they're not wanting to tell you because they know what they think is more than what the market's telling them it's worth. Are you guys following me on all this? If you've listed houses before, you've dealt with sellers, you know what I'm talking about. So here's the way you ask the question. And again, in our scripts, there's three different ways you ask the seller what they think the house is worth. But here's a crafty one. Mr. Seller, um, I'm going to be uh, setting aside two or three hours, sometimes more, sometimes less, to work on your CMA. And a CMA is, in essence, a, a realtor's version of an appraisal. So what comps or what other sold homes do you know of that you think are closest to your house? In other words, maybe you went through a holiday party, an open house, a garage sale. Maybe you uh, looked at the house yourself when it was for sale a few years ago. What houses have you seen that have sold in your marketplace in, say, the past 6 to 12 months that you think were closest to your house? And then just shut up and let them answer. Sometimes, again, they'll be a little cagey, then ask, reframe the question and ask them in a slightly different way, because here's the bottom line. Every single seller has an opinion of what their house is worth. There's not you, if you own a home or, real, or rental property, you have an opinion of what your property is worth. Everybody um, <laughs> knows what their property is worth, or at least has an opinion on it. True or false? True. So when you ask the seller what properties that they've seen sell in their neighborhood that they thought were closest to their house, they are going to tell you ultimately what they think the house is worth. So they'll say, well, you know what? There's a house down the way. It was the same model as mine. Mine has a three-car garage. That one has a two-car garage. That one has a corner lot. Mine's not a corner lot. And so you then say, okay, well, that sounds like a very similar comp. You know, basically your uh, third garage might offset their larger yard. Okay, what other house are you thinking? And how much did that one sell for, Mr. Seller? Uh, well, that one sold for 560 Okay, 560 Yep, I, that one I was considering using that one as a comp. Okay, what are the two or three others that you're thinking about? Same conversation, they'll tell you. And so, Mr. Seller, it sounds like from what you're um, using as comparables in your mind, you're thinking the houses were somewhere in like the high fives, low sixes. Yeah, that's probably what I was thinking. See what I did? Now, 
is it an advantage to you to know what the seller's thinking their house is worth before you get to their house? Is it an Absolutely. advantage to you to know what are you kidding me? That's one of the biggest points of tension before you get to the seller's house. That in itself is one of the reasons why some of you have avoided becoming listing agents because you do not know how to handle the situation with the seller okay. and you are in disagreement about price. So know what they think the house is worth before you get there. Use our scripts. It's simple. Julie, do we have time for another point? One more point. So secret to that, don't ever let the seller know more about the comps and stats than you do. They don't like that. They may view the unprofessional, not the professional. And that does happen, especially with pocket sales and stuff like that. All right, so point number four, not knowing the competition or the neighborhood well enough, competition in this case meaning competing homes, or the neighborhood well enough to speak with authority. This is easily cured. Here's the secret to it. Preview the competition. Know the average days on the market, not just for the town or city, but for the actual neighborhood. Know the list-to-sell price ratio for the latest comparables, and know if that's going up or down or staying stable. You know, your, your larger town, like let's say it's Atlanta, maybe Atlanta itself has an average days on the market of 90, but your little micro pocket of Atlanta, the average days on the market is only 10, and then your appointment after that is in a totally different neighborhood with tons of homes competing and new construction kicking its butt, and that one's got an average days on the market of 180. So just because you know your town stats doesn't necessarily mean you know the micro neighborhood stats. It gives you a tremendous advantage, not just to knowing how to price it and speaking with authority, but also in pre-programming the seller's outlook and what their expectations are. If the average days on the market is 180, really they shouldn't be getting too upset on day 22. So that requires that you actually know your stuff. So preview the competition, and if you're super busy, as some of you are, previewing can mean looking at pictures and stats online, but better than that would be seeing the actual active competition since that's what the buyers are going to be doing. Does that make sense, Tim? By the way, by the way, uh, if you guys are following our system, if you're using our pre-listing pack, if you're following our, you know, the, our whole listing process, you're supposed to be, uh-oh, here comes a controversial comment, Julie. You're mm -hmm. supposed to be including your CMA with the pre-listing pack. The pre-listing pack is supposed to go to the seller's door at least a day, ideally two days prior to your appointment. If you've used our pre-qualification scripts, you already know what the seller thinks the house is worth. When you send over the comps, you don't need to actually put an opinion of value. You can say, we'll come up with an actual value ba you know, when I get there and I see the house. You see what I'm doing there? We're giving them the information ahead of time so they can look through it. Okay. And if you've used our, if you've used our scripts, there should be no grenades with the pins pulled once you get there. It should be easy breezy. If you use our pre-listing pack, literally, guys, the pre-listing pack, uh, it answers every single objection the seller might have for you prior to getting there. It talks about the commission. talks about the term of the listing. talks about what you're going to do to get the house sold. talks about relocation. talks about your brokerage. describes everything that you possibly could have a seller ask you about all the hardest questions. Why should I hire you to be my listing agent? You know, why should I hire you over this other agent? Why should I this? Why should I that? You are answering all those questions with the pre-listing pack and putting the, you know, so here's the cool thing. You follow our system. When you get to the seller's house, your listing appointments are fun. <laughs> they so are. So much easier, too, and shorter. Yes, fun and shorter. And you'll be at the seller's house, follow the listing presentation, and they will be thrilled that you had sent all that information over ahead of time. You guys who are following this 1970s mentality 
uh, essentially having to close at the house and having to do all these sort of boiler room tech, uh, tactics to get sellers to sign contracts. They hate you. They don't want to have that experience after a long day at work. When you send the pre-listing pack over, when you send all the information over like we ask you to do, you will find that they will be appreciative of the fact that you were considerate of the you know of providing the information ahead of time. You're not sitting in their house for five hours. You're there for usually about a half hour, 45 minutes, and you're going to take the listing. It's going to be a very pleasant and, and frankly, sometimes almost um, a, a lighthearted experience, the exact opposite of what you think it will be. I am genuinely so excited because I know some of you, granted I know it's a minority of you, but some of you are going to listen to today's uh, radio show, tomorrow's radio show, the next day's radio show, and you are going to be bouncing off the walls to become listing agents. And that excites me because when you have that epiphany, when that light goes off in your head that um, what you're looking for in your real estate business and, frankly, in life is the leverage that comes from being a listing agent, boy, that was a lot of L's all at once. Uh, When you have that epiphany, it is fantastic. Do the next smart thing and request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Definitely want to um, take your motivation, your enthusiasm, and your excitement from learning how to be a listing agent to the next level and discuss with one of our coaches your actual business plan. And remember, when you request a free coaching call, all you got to do is request it. We're going to give you two free books. One is Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. We talked about, uh, we've talked about that a number of times. It's an updated version uh, that Julie and I wrote specifically for the real estate industry. And the other book is The Real Estate Treasure Map, and that is our business plan. Uh, good for any time of the year. Definitely want to get your hands on that. Julie, anything else you'd like to say to these guys before we round the bell? No, band? except that this is just the first part of the work we're going to be doing on the next upcoming radio shows, so make sure that you tune in because this is just the tip of the iceberg of the things that we're going to be helping you with. So take good notes, and of course, free coaching calls for agents.com, and we can take it to the next level with you. So take this stuff seriously. This is the highest and best use of your time. So let's help you guys help us help you get to that next level by becoming great, fantastic listing agents. And we'll talk to you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.